0: Bum uh, bum uh. ba bam bum bum bam dum, bum bum ba bum bum ba dum, bum bum ba dum, bum bum ba dum, bum bum ba dum, bum 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 dum, dum bum bam dum 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 You are now in session with the Comic Book Couples Counseling Podcast. I'm Lisa Gullickson.
1: I'm Brad Gullickson.
0: And each month, we evaluate a different iconic romance within the four-color realm. This month, we're strapping on our utility belts with Barbara Gordon and Dick Grayson of the DC Comics universe, and we're applying Dr. Roberta M. Gilbert's Extraordinary Relationships, a new way of thinking about human interactions to their relationship woes.
1: Lisa, Lisa, Lisa. Yes, my sweet. This time last year, we were at the San Diego Comic-Con.
0: Probably in line, having the time of our lives.
1: Absolutely. Without a doubt, having the time of our lives in line, because that's one of our favorite things, is to be in line with our con fam, our friends. Waiting and anticipating some exciting panel to 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 partake in.
0: Perhaps I'm in some cosplay.
1: Yeah, you're, uh one year you were Bruce Lee from Game of Death.
0: That is true. Uh,
1: Your last year you were uh, Don Greenwood. Don Greenwood, and was that also the year you were um, Royal Tenenbaums? Margot Tenenbaum? No,
0: that was the year before last. Yeah, Lisa likes to dress up. I do like to put on a costume, but I like to put on a costume that is just obscure enough that nobody wants their picture with me.
1: I mean, every year you put on a costume someone wants a photo with you. Even when you were the monkey men from the 60s show, The Monkeys. That
0: is true. <laughs> you had people
1: coming up and wanting a photo with you. And when you're Don Greenwood, people are always mistaking you for the miraculous ladybug person. And
0: I used to take offense at it, but then I, eventually I just accepted yeah, it. Yeah, you lean
1: into it now. That's right,
0: well, because little girls' faces light up and yeah. call me ladybug. And
1: you used to correct them, and every time you would correct would go, actually... They'd look
0: sad. I'm Don Greenwood,
1: yeah. It'd be pretty <laughs> sad. But I'm pretty darn sad because this year... Because because of everything that's going on in the world there is no San Diego Comic-Con and um while that is necessary and understandable uh, i find myself being melancholy and the way that i am challenging my melancholy is by posting photographs on our twitter page and instagram of the comic-cons from years past that we've attended we've been going to comic-con since 2011 and every is, year and
0: it is the highlight of our year
1: absolutely absolutely and you know we have like Comic Con specific friends, yeah. <laughs> you know, there's also you know Darren uh, at the Disco Dork on Twitter uh, and Brian at the Turtle Dork on Twitter. You know, they're 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 friends from going way back, and we started going to Comic Con together as a group. Yeah, and our friendship solidified big time in 2011 during that first Comic Con.
0: Absolutely. But with every
1: year. You know, waiting in that Hall H line, waiting in all these various lines, the Indigo Ballroom. We've gathered and amassed like forty friends.
0: Yeah, that we call our con fam. Yeah,
1: and and like I miss those guys.
0: Yes, we are going to have a Zoom convo, and we're going to see each other's faces but it's not gonna be the same.
1: This weekend, uh, San Diego Comic-Con is doing hashtag Comic-Con at home and they're hosting a bunch of really cool panels. Which is
0: super fun. I love panels. Yeah, and
1: like Charlize Theron and IGN are doing a panel together. That's cool. Uh, uh, You know, they're gonna have yet again another New Mutants trailer. (laughs) Uh, And everyone's crossing their fingers going like, maybe this is when they'll finally announce it's coming to Disney Plus. Maybe, I don't know. Uh, And and so I'm trying to get like psyched up for the Comic-Con at home uh it, it, since we can't all go uh to san diego shoulder to shoulder yeah shoulder to shoulder
0: backpack and, to backpack. Like, don't
1: don't talk about it like that lisa because you start looking at those photos of the exhibit hall where we are shoulder to shoulder and you go like are we ever going to experience that again and then all these question marks and unknowns start to percolate in my brain and i get more and more anxiety in my body and i gotta push it down i gotta push those unknowns away i gotta focus on The past, all the glorious moments that we had and experienced and just appreciate the now and finding ways to, you know, bring a little bit of that Comic-Con experience to the love nest.
0: Absolutely.
1: One way we're also doing that is AwesomeCon, which is a local Washington, D.C. convention, is also doing the next weekend uh, a series of virtual panels. And we were going to have a live panel. We were going to have the first ever comic book couples counseling live panel at this year's Awesome Con, but that's not happening. And so we're now doing a comic book couples counseling virtual panel.
0: I am super excited about this.
1: So am I. Uh, it's going to be on the 30th of July. It's going to be a 3 p.m. Eastern time.
0: We want to see you there. W-
1: it's free of charge. So you all can sign up and join us. And we're going to be uh, hosting a panel with Liz Reed of Cuddles and Rage. Friend he- of the podcast. Yeah, friend of the podcast. You might remember her from being on the podcast. Her and Jimmy Reed talking about their comic book, Bites of Terror, a few months back. Uh, Yeah, and it's great, and it just came out, and you should really support independent artists and buy a copy of Bites of Terror. Um, But so Liz is going to be with us on that panel, and what I think is interesting is that we're going to be discussing Extraordinary Relationships uh, by Dr. Roberta M. Gilbert, and we're applying it to uh, a, a set of superheroes, a set of comic book characters we've never talked about on the podcast in the past.
0: But it's a group of mutant-like characters that I really enjoy. It is the Umbrella Academy, created yeah. by Gerard Way and Gabriel Baugh.
1: You are already a big-time fan of this comic book.
0: Yes, I was. I admit I cracked it open strictly for my chemical romance sure, reasons, Sure. and- I was I was prepared to be delighted. Um, I have I have danced among the black parade. I I don't know how I feel about it. It's complicated because um, I'm a grown woman. Um, but I was shocked at how like I shouldn't say I was shocked, but like how multi talented, multifaceted can a person be? It's like an amazing book, and I devoured the first two volumes. And
1: because of the My Chemical Romance connection, for uh, a long time I avoided uh, the other Academy. resisted. Yeah, I was a hipster, you know, uh, like, what, Hollywood types interloping on my uh, comic book landscape? How dare you, who do you think <laughs> you are, J.J. Abrams? Uh, but that is, you know, quit being a jerk, Brad. Uh, we should be inviting, we should be welcoming to all manner of creatives.
0: And it's a super nerdy sci-fi book, directly up Brad's very narrow alley. And and
1: I don't know if I have a very narrow alley. I take offense to that. It's a wide alley. I've got a wide alley. You can put lots of things in that alley. (laughs) Okay. Uh, But Gerard Way's The Umbrella Academy, which I read for the first time this week, is flipping fantastic. I read the first two volumes. I'm looking forward to the third volume. I love it. Gabriel Baugh, I was already a fan of because of his work in uh, uh, BPRD. Mm -hmm. And... It's hard not to go, well, this is like the X-Men with a little bit of a Mike Mignola sensibility.
0: That is, you were like so right on the money with the DNA that makes the Umbrella Academy. It's a little bit fanciful. It's over the top. It's broody. You can see... Mignola's influence, perhaps, or maybe they have sharing some cross influences with Gabriel Bá. It's craggy, it's flat, but still like hyper detailed.
1: Yeah, it's 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 got a lot of
0: tentacles in it. It's got a
1: lot of tentacles, a lot of tentacles. Uh, So I am very excited to apply extraordinary relationships to the Umbrella Academy.
0: We have so many relationships to work with. Yes. Sibling relationships, parent-child relationships, romantic relationships. Yeah,
1: I think it's going to make for a really good panel. And I'm excited to have Liz with us uh, to bounce ideas off of.
0: Yeah, share those insights. It's going to be like a brief, like, because it's only going to be 45 minutes. It's not going to be our usual (laughs) 90-minute feast and festival. Right. But I think, I'm hoping that we... Make some new friends, but really, I just want my old friends to be there. I want you guys, our listeners, yeah. to be there with we, us.
1: We've we put out like one tweet about it, but we're going to really kick off uh, our uh, promotional campaign regarding this panel panel this week. So uh, help us out there and, and share that news. We're really really excited to be uh, attending AwesomeCon in this way. Yeah. Anyway, that's enough of that. Uh, it's time to get on with our Dick and Babs conversation. This is the end. Cue the doors. This is the end. The uh, end, the end, my friend. I saw
0: that in the script, and I was like, what is he referencing?
1: I'm referencing the doors, Lisa.
0: Okay. I was never a doors Doors gal.
1: I know. Well, I was in high school, and while all my friends were listening to Nirvana, I was like, nah, man, they're not the doors. Uh but we've reached the end of our conversations with Dick Grayson and Barbara Gordon. And I, I mean, I can't believe we were one. I can't believe we're finishing up another couple. And, and two, I can't believe how much I fell in love with Dick and Babs as a couple over the course of these four episodes.
0: Uh, me, too. I mean, I love an immersion experience. I, I love just reading all things Dick and Babs. Um, I think we've now established residency in Gotham.
1: Yeah, as you already know, we were not originally planning on covering another Gotham couple right after our run on Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy. But as we were building up to our epic 50th episode of CBCC, we wanted to give our listeners a chance to pick a couple for us. And Dr. Dina, or at Is It Broken Yet on Twitter, she won our raffle and she picked Dick and Babs for us.
0: And we, I mean, this has been a thrill ride.
1: Yeah, I agreed. Agreed. So thank you, Dr. Dina. Super appreciate it. You remember from last week. I love the word appreciate. I'm gonna continue to use the <laughs> word appreciate. Uh and just like I'm gonna use it again with Jesse James here, Jesse James. We appreciate you, and we thank you for your lovely new review that you dropped on iTunes for CBCC this week. Uh, Jesse goes by the Twitter handle, at Jesse James Comics, and that's comics with an X. That's right. End. He's
0: a great follow.
1: He's a great follow. On brand.
0: And, all about comics. Yeah,
1: all about comics. And Lisa, do you, why don't you go ahead and read the review that he left
0: us? Okay, here we go. I'm excited. One of the best comics podcast five stars. Whether they are discussing a story arc of a comic couple or interviewing some of the biggest names in comics, Lisa and Brad entertain and educate every single episode brad is nodding because i accidentally flipped our names always put my name first (laughs) (laughs) the two are fantastic podcasters giving each other the space and time to equally share the spotlight ironic after the name thing okay (laughs) the two hosts are so relatable and their joy for comics is extremely contagious just try and listen to an episode and not buy or read whatever they're discussing It's impossible. That makes me so happy, by the way. Cannot recommend this podcast enough. Thank you, Brad and Lisa, or Lisa and Brad, uh, for the countless hours of joy you have given me. Yeah. Thanks, Jesse. That is so sweet. Yeah.
1: Thank you so much. We really appreciate it. I love saying the word appreciate. (laughs) Uh, But I also want to take a moment and thank All of our listeners out there, because our interactions on social media of late uh, have been really, really wonderful. And in this time of lockdown, like I'm getting a lot of joy and a lot of my uh, happiness from interacting with our listeners it's been a lot of fun and so f- to everyone who has tweeted at us who's left a review who has found us on instagram or emailed us i just want to say thank you it I, like i know we say this every week but it really does mean everything to lisa and myself
0: that we are a steam engine that runs on the power of yeah, high fives yeah
1: yeah and like i also want to point out that you can you know find us Right now on Twitter, and while you're listening to this episode, go ahead and tweet at us. Like, if we say something and you're like, "I have an opinion about that," immediately just tweet at us. Hit up at CBCC Podcast. Find Lisa at Sidewalk Siren. Oh yeah. Find me at Mouthdork. And as you know, just just let us know what you're thinking about this episode as you're listening along. We really want to hear from you.
0: Ooh, that would be that would be thrilling. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like we're it's like we're sitting there with you.
1: Yeah, because you know. I we kind of are. We're at home. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> you, clearly, everyone has opinions on Dick and Babs and or, or Dick and Corey. All right.
0: Know. Or Babs and Dick.
1: Or, or Babs and Dick. Yeah. Or Babs and Dick. That's right.
0: That's what a, if, we should move to England and open a pub and we should call it Babs and Dick. Uh, <laughs> Doesn't it sound like a...
1: <laughs> it sounds like an English treat for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I like mine spotted. <laughs> uh, so for our final episode on Babs and Dick or Dick and Babs, we're focusing on a two issue series that came. Highly recommended by Dr. Dina It's called Birds of Rage Which was a spin-off title To the DC Mega Event Convergence From 2015 Lisa DC sure does love those mega events.
0: Just be thankful it's not another crisis.
1: Uh, That's right. Uh, This was an event that I had no patience for when it was released. It was simply too massive. It was a weekly series consisting of a zero issue, a core miniseries written by Jeff King and Scott Lobdell, plus 40, count them, 42 issue tie-ins, one of which is the story we read for this episode.
0: That's like 80 comics or If you live in the Gullickson household, one pull list. Yeah, that's
1: Wednesday. (laughs) Standard operating procedure. Uh, Driving the plot of Convergence is the villainous Kryptonian cyborg Brainiac. At some point, the bad guy gains access to all of the many multiverses that have existed throughout the DC Comics publishing history, and he rips certain cities from certain timelines out of time and space and traps them beneath these dome force shields. He then will expose one domed city to another domed city and takes great pleasure in watching them duke it out battle royale style. Uh, while I did not read all of these in 2015, I did pick up the Shazam Gotham by Gaslight miniseries from Jeff Parker and Doc Shayner. and it's a friggin' delight. And I reread it this week, and I definitely want Lisa to take a look at it because I think it's right up her very wide alley.
0: Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: but, you know, we are suckers for multiverses and mirror universes. It all goes back to our Star Trek days, Oh, right? yeah, yeah. Uh, we're big fans of Star Trek Discovery season one. Come at us, bro. (laughs) Uh, When they're done right, they can be extremely fulfilling on a fan front, right?
0: If you were Brainiac and, of course, you were pure evil, wouldn't you do, like, the exact same thing? Yeah, for sure. I want to see Freddy versus Jason. Yeah. I want to see Godzilla face it off with King Kong. Heck
1: yeah. I mean, what I love about this concept is it you know, Brainiac is kid in a playground. He's a kid in a sandbox. He's a big time nerd. He's taking all of these toys and he's he's smashing them together.
0: Yeah, that's not how I would smash them together. Uh,
1: we know how you'd smash <laughs> uh, they them They would
0: make sweet, sweet love.
1: Uh, yeah, I, we know, we know. Uh, I'm sure there's a, uh, a a multiverse where it's all about that, like the DC <laughs> porn multiverse. Actually, there is a DC porn multiverse. Don't share
0: uh, it with me. I'm just joking.
1: But I mean, you can find those. You can find those things. That's all i I know saying. how to Google. I know you can. Uh, <laughs> but what makes our two issues involving Nightwing and oracle even more special is that the scripting duties are being done by birds of prey mainstay gail simone simone is a comics badass she studied theater in college and was a one-time hairdresser but she first entered the world of comics through women in refrigerators a feminist website that launched in 1999 in response to alexandra dewitt's horrendous murder in green lantern number 54 which saw her body stuffed into kyle rayner's refrigerator as a means to give him some motivation Yes, this is where the term fridging comes from.
0: Way to just open the door and walk into the zeitgeist. <laughs>
1: That's right. Uh, the Women in Refrigerators website made it their mission to highlight and catalog the many, many, many female characters who have been murdered, raped, or been victimized in any other numerous ways so they could elevate male characters. What
0: about women who, who were shot by doctored bullets yep. and were stuck in a wheelchair?
1: Yep. Uh, Barbara Gordon makes an appearance. She's uh,
0: like halfway in the fridge.
1: She's, she's definitely on the website. Uh, this led to to Simone writing a regular column for comic book resources called You'll All Be Sorry, as well as a stint scripting Simpsons comics for Bongo. Whoa, cool. Simone's first mainstream work was with Marvel on their Deadpool solo series. When that series was canceled and rebranded as Agent X, Simone and her editor came into conflict. She left, but then came back to finish the storyline. However, that's when she jumped ship and walked into the DC Comics offices where she would take over Birds of Prey in 2003. Since then, Simone has practically worked on every single character at DC, from Hawk and Dove to Wonder Woman. I always take notice when she's on a book because I adored her run on Birds of Prey. I was reading Dixon's take on those characters and enjoying them, but Simone is the one who got me to fall in love with Oracle, Black Canary, Huntress, and the rest. Also, I think when she first introduced Big Barda into the series, that was also my first time that I met a new God. And because of her take on Big Barda, a whole world of comics was opened up to me. And I have become a massive New Gods fan ever since, right?
0: Yeah, I can confirm that.
1: Yeah. And I've uh, helped you become a New Gods fan as well, thanks to Tom King's Mr. Miracle with Mitch Jarrods.
0: Absolutely. We, I mean... If you haven't listened to those episodes, they're great. And read that book.
1: Yeah, read that book. Uh, When Simone left Birds of Prey for Wonder Woman after issue 112, the series struggled and readers fell off, including me, and the series was canceled. In 2010, she returned to Birds of Prey for 13 issues before, once again, the book was canceled as a result of Flashpoint and the launching of the New 52, where Simone would take over the once again wheelchair-free Barbara Gordon in the new Batgirl solo series. Now... It's five years later, 2015, who are you going to call to handle the Nightwing-Oracle-Convergence tie-in? Birds of Rage? Gail Simone, you're damn right. Mm -hmm. But Lisa, before we can pit Thanagarian warmongers against our poor, romantically struggling Dick and Babs, we gotta check in with our love doctor, Roberta M. Gilbert. What's she got to say this week?
0: This is our last week with love guru, Dr. Roberta M. Gilbert, and her book, Extraordinary Relationships, A New Way of Thinking About Human Interactions. Not
1: if you count the Umbrella Academy panel at AwesomeCon, Lisa.
0: That is true. I wish I had read the whole book before I pitched that panel. (laughs) (laughs) More on that later. She is going to help the dynamite duo manage their anxiety so they can be better partners using Dr. Murray Bowen's family systems theory. Now we are in part three, entitled Toward Back. Relationships, and we're going to focus our attention on chapters 15 and 16 growing a self and managing the intensities so we can help Dick and Babs deal with their relationship when it is in crisis.
1: (laughs) This is not a crisis, Lisa. It's a convergence,
0: (sighs) not in DC Comics universe terms, Brad. In Bowen Family Systems Theory terms,
1: convergence
0: Uh, according to Bowen's Family Systems Theory, crisis is when there is a period of rapid change in which individual functioning is sometimes permanently altered toward a higher or lower level. Crises are initiated by what Dr. Gilbert refers to as a nodal event that upsets the family equilibrium and requires a reshuffling of function within the family system— this part three is a lot of tying up loose ends mm. from the previous two parts. Mm-hmm. So, um, if some of those these terms go over your head, listeners, you can go back and listen. Or not.
1: Can I go back and listen, or do I have to ask you questions?
0: You can ask me questions (laughs) if you've... Hopefully, you've been
1: listening. I've been listening.
0: (laughs) Crisis can be when people are added to the family system through births, adoptions, marriages. They can be when people leave the system. A child goes off to college. An adult child remarries and leaves the home. Somebody changes their physical distance, like moves away, or, Mm. of course, deaths. Mm. They can also be when an individual loses functionality because of illness or injury or perhaps suddenly gains functionality like an illness is cured or they suddenly wake up from a three-week coma like Dick Grayson. (laughs) The book doesn't explicitly say this, but I think they could also be radical changes to the day-to-day functioning that are independent of gaining or losing specific relationships like someone loses or finds a job Mm. retires or let's say there's a huge dome dropped on your city or there's a massive global pandemic oh no those sorts of things are going to upset your functioning apple cart and increase your anxiety so, Brad, what have been some of the nodal events of our relationship?
1: Well, I would think marriage would be one.
0: Yeah. Our, uh, our, that's a
1: pretty big one.
0: Us meeting, that would be the that's, initiating nodal event that crucial. changed that's the crucial. course of our lives.
1: Uh, as far as, like, recent... Uh, well, this podcast, right? Oh, yeah, that's true. This podcast would be a nodal event. Uh, both of us changed our jobs uh, not too long ago.
0: That Those were very stressful times. Yeah, yeah,
1: absolutely, absolutely. But... Better for it. Life is better for it.
0: That is true. Crises are marked by increased anxiety throughout the system and can spell trouble for less emotionally mature relationships that are not properly processing that anxiety and thoughtlessly falling back into the postures of overwhelmedness. Conflict, distance, overfunctioning, underfunctioning mm. reciprocity, and triangling. The anxiety initiated by the nodal event will be extended rather than resolved, and the unchecked togetherness and individuality forces will cause people to either lose self-togetherness to togetherness or lose the relationship in individuality resulting in cutoff. Right. The end result of a crisis is never the status quo.
1: (laughs) That's funny because in DC Comics terms, in Marvel event terms, uh, (laughs) crises are absolutely about reestablishing the status quo.
0: Yeah, which is one of the things that can be so frustrating about comics because you lose that timeline. We're all like, if we go through a crisis, we are changed people, hence finding ourselves at either a higher or lower level of functioning. So being prepared for a crisis is key to the survival of individual relationships and the family system as a whole. Over the past three episodes with Richard Grayson and Barbara Gordon on our counseling couch, we've seen their relationship weather some pretty substantial nodal events. Babs joining the Bat family, Babs and Dick becoming partners as the dynamic duo, Dick dating Corey... Babs being shot in the spine yeah. and losing her ability to walk, uh-huh. Dick being in space with the Teen Titans for extended amounts of time, Dick giving his engagement announcement to Barbara after sleeping with her. Oh, God. Not to mention the comings of goings of all kinds of Robins and, and who knows what's going on with Bruce Wayne at any <laughs> <Sure>. given moment. <laughs> and each of these crises changed the functioning of their relationship as a pair and as a Bat family, sometimes for the better and sometimes for the worse. How do we prepare our relationships so they can best navigate life's inevitable crises events? First, each person should get in touch with their well-differentiated selves, their basic and functional selves. The basic self being the part of you that is you all of the time, and the functional self being the part of you that you put on to function in a group. The three attributes of a person with a well-differentiated self are, one, well-defined self-boundaries, two, an ability to choose between thinking and feeling, and three, a well-thought-out set of principles. This streamlines the group decision-making because everyone is clear about what each person holds non-negotiable and what each person is willing to do to function. The best decision is the one that is least reactive, meaning each person is able to function while sacrificing the least amount of basic self. Also a huge part of crisis preparedness is each person practicing managing their own intense emotions individually. Mm-hmm. Remember, managing anxiety through togetherness only works when the level of anxiety is decreased by each person it touches, not past or increased. Being overwhelmed is an inevitable part of life, but being overly reliant on togetherness to process that emotion means that you won't have the means to process someone else's emotion when they are overwhelmed, which will flood the system. If you are a person like myself who tends to lean towards anxiety overload, it will require some training, but... If I've learned anything from watching Barbara and Dick in Nightwing Annual Number Two, A Hero's Journey, <laughs> training can be fun and sexy. Yeah, it can. <laughs> if you've been with us since the first Babs and Dick episode, you know that one of the main tenets of the Bowen's Family Systems Theory is that emotional responses are part of our autonomic function and therefore, no one's fault. You shouldn't blame yourself for having an unwanted emotion and you shouldn't blame someone else for having an unwanted emotion at you. Mm. But you can retrain your brain so that you don't become carried away or fixated on the then unwanted emotional reaction. And you may be able to retrain your brain from having the emotional reaction in the first place. There are five basic steps to retraining your feeling state. Observe it, calm it, Think about it, rehearse it, and practice it. One, observe it. When you find yourself in a peaked emotional state, take notes on a piece of paper or just in your brain on what's happening to you physically and mentally. Maybe your chest gets tight or your face gets flushed. Maybe your appetite goes away. Maybe you get snacky. Maybe your brain starts getting cloudy or you start thinking in a loop.
1: Yeah, this is something we've been talking a lot about lately.
0: Because it super fascinates me. Yeah. And I and I do like I've put as part of the way we speak to each other, like, oh, I'm having an emotion right now. Right. Right. So so that way it's like a blameless way to stop yourself and reset. Mm. Like I'm a person who suffers panic attacks. Right. And when I first started having them, all I felt was the physical symptoms. So like my skin would crawl and my chest would be on fire. And I was like, what, what am I having a, like a, a heart attack? Like what is happening? And my mother, uh, who is a, a registered nurse or, or was, she's now retired. But, um, I told her my physical symptoms and she started wondering if I had like hypoglycemia or something. Huh, and yeah. And so I was having this, what turned out to be a feeling state and we drove to one of her friend's houses, Mary Jo, and, who had diabetes and they tested my blood sugar level to figure out what was happening. Huh. So I then went home and then just googled like, my chest is tight and, and I feel like uh, doomed and, and they're like, uh, and Google was like you're having a panic attack. Uh, you've
1: never told me this story before. Yeah,
0: it, it was weird because like with panic attacks, like Sometimes you don't even have a trigger, you know? Mm. Like
1: They just I, come over you.
0: Yeah, and then all of a sudden you're like, I'm at... And now it's kind of okay. I can just be like, I'm having a panic attack. Either I can manage it on my own or, like, I go and I take... I have a prescription for Xanax and I'll take half a Xanax or a whole Xanax. And, um, and, and it's nice to just go like, this isn't me. This mm. isn't my fault. I'm not a bad person mm. because I have anxiety. Right. You know? So... But yeah, so if you're a person out there, you can try these calm techniques, and if they don't work, go to your doctor. Judgment-free zone. Number two, calm it. Sometimes the mental switch from just being in the emotion to observing it can have a calming effect, but other times it is easier said than done. If you find that you have a physical locale for your anxiety, like I do with my chest, just try telling that part of your body to relax or decompress, or you can focus on another part of your body that is relaxed. Sometimes slowing your breathing and encouraging tense muscles to release can help. Also, a constructive distraction like exercise or engaging in a cerebral activity like reading or doing a logic thinking puzzle can relax you. There is a small section in Extraordinary Relationships about biofeedback training that I am so tempted to do this long tangent on, but the idea is to bring your automatic responses into your awareness so that you can then counteract and retrain them. Mm. So if you have a stressful week and you're like, ugh, Mm -hmm. my neck hurts, Mm -hmm. uh, your next stressful week, encourage your neck to relax. Just Mm. give it a try. Mm. It's free. Three, think about it. Once you've cooled down and your thinking is a little clearer, think about what triggered the intense emotion. Not the why as much as the how. When did it begin? What was I doing up until it began? Is there part of a pattern or a loop I find myself stuck in? What is the emotion in a broad sense? Rejection, embarrassment, anger, disappointment. One big one for me is doomedness, yeah, yeah, yeah. or I'm <laughs> late for something. <laughs> doomedness. <laughs> what can I do in the future to manage the emotion better? Without asking another person to change, mm. so like the important thing is you're like dealing with your own emotion. You're not supposed to go like, "Hey, Brad, every time you do this, I go into full-on <laughs> panic attack mode." Not,
1: it's not a blame game.
0: It's not a blame game. Um, you want to be able to do this on your own, um, and you can also ask yourself, "Could I have had a better response?" So, number four, rehearse it. When you have thought of a better response, rehearse it in your head. Think, when I am triggered again, I am going to think, do, say, this, or that. I guess you could rehearse it with another partner, too, but, I mean, this is supposed to be self-training, so I don't know. I'm here to help, Lisa. I can help. (laughs) I don't know if Dr. Gilbert would say it was okay. Oh, gosh. Number five, practice it. Next time you're in a triggered situation, take your rehearsed response out for a spin. Did it work? Should you scrap the new response or keep it? This is not about having a perfect response every single time. The idea is to stay mindful and thoughtful so that you're choosing your reaction or response, not succumbing to your reaction or response. That makes sense. When crisis hits, while you're doing your best to maintain SEO in your relationships, separateness, equality, and openness, and continually process your emotions, Remember that rest and relaxation are key to keep functionality running smoothly. When tensions are high, it's hard to feel like there are enough hours in the day to meet every expectation. But without adequate sleep and time to relax as an individual and as a couple, everything is going to fall apart. <laughs> yeah. Listen to the Fab Five on this one. Don't let yourself care of you... Oh. Don't let yourself care and your partner care yeah. fall to the wayside. Schedule in time to relax as an individual and with your couple. Sometimes you just have to eat linguine with calm sauce in the apocalypse. In Convergence, we see Barbara Gordon and Dick Grayson in Crisis, both in a DC Universe sense. Not technically a DC Universe sense. It's a Convergence. Yeah, it is. Not a Crisis. <laughs> <laughs> and the Bowens family systems theory sense. As we discuss these issues, I think we should observe how they are in decision-making with either their basic selves or their functioning selves and processing their emotions individually and see if their strategies are bringing them to a higher level of functioning or a lower level of functioning.
1: So let's get ready to rumble! Convergence! birds of rage where can we find this story convergence nightwing oracle issues one and two published by dc comics between the months of june and july of 2015 written by gail simone penciled by jan Duracima, inked by dan parsons colored by west DeZobia, and lettered by carlos m mangual this is how dc sold this series here's their description Starring heroes from a pre-Flashpoint DCU, just as they've finally been reunited, the romance between Dick Grayson and Barbara Gordon is sentenced to execution by Flashpoint Hawkman and Hawkwoman.
0: Remember that time we changed the timeline? Yeah, yeah We yeah. changed it, back! We changed bro, it,
1: book. Yeah, <laughs> oh, Flashpoint. Uh, yeah, so so basically, starring your favorite characters before the new New Fifty Two ruined everything. <laughs> um, here's where our New Fifty Two moaning should begin but i really really don't want to do that anymore and i read a really rad interview with gail simone over at comics alliance about this topic uh they asked her you know what is the difference between writing barbara gordon as batgirl versus barbara gordon as oracle and here was her response lisa and i i loved it okay uh this is gail simone now I have talked about this a lot, but I am very inspired by the ideas of a real timeline. If you're a Conan the Barbarian fan, you can read stories of Conan when he was very young, all the way up to when he was an old king. If you love Tarzan, you can read stories from the Jungle Tales of Tarzan, where he's just a kid, all the way up until he has a son of his own and beyond. Same with Batman. You can follow him from Gotham as a kid to Dark Knight as a cranky old weirdo. I really love that. So my thinking on Barbara is always about that it's a timeline and for the canon in my head I see the current run as a very early period in her career all the way up to when she becomes Oracle same character one life lived but stories told at all different points of the timeline her experience and methods change, but the steel is the same from cradle to grave, basically. And so for Gail Simone, when she's writing the new 52 Batgirl, that all takes place before all the Oracle stories that she wrote in Birds of Prey. And that's how, that's how I make it work in my head too, because I love those Oracle stories so much. I don't want to erase them. They all still exist.
0: Yeah, I like that idea of like, some nodal events in our life are inevitable. Mm, yeah. And we do see that in multiverse timelines. Like yes. there always is a Batman.
1: Yep, yep, yep. Whether he, you know he's hanging out in uh, 1888 London or Gotham City of uh, modern day.
0: But Bruce Wayne... Like who he is as a person is eventually Batman and who Barbara Gordon is, is eventually Oracle. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I I love that. I love that. Me too. So thank you, Gail Simone, for that Comics Alliance interview. I really appreciate it. And thank you, Comics Alliance, for asking that silly question. I think it's
0: a great question.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. No shade thrown to other interviewers. Fair enough. You're right, Lisa. Great question. It got a great answer. Yeah. Okay, so let's go ahead and turn the page on the first issue of Birds of Rage. I guess, actually, before we even turn the cover, let's just acknowledge how awesome it is to have two Jill Thompson covers for these two issues. Yes. Uh, I particularly love the second one, which I don't want to spoil at this moment, (laughs) but it's a matrimonial cover. I, I mean, that's amazing. Actually... Uh, Our listeners have already seen it because that's our image cover for this episode. I love Jill Thompson and to see her do Barbara Gordon to Dick Grayson is like a special treat.
0: So fun. Pure joy.
1: But the comic book starts off on El Inferno, which is the territory of the Justice Writers from creator Grant Morrison. And what we see is that this version of Hawkman and Hawkwoman have already lain waste to these guys. Sorry, Blue Beetle. Sorry, Martian Manhunter. You're done. You couldn't deal. You're not Dick and, and Babs. And uh, Hawkman and Hawkwoman are communicating with Brainiac's drones and saying, like, well, what's next? What can we do?
0: And, of course, they don't reply. They're all seeing, all knowing, super quiet.
1: Super quiet. You, you, like, Brainiac is gonna let them know what to do when it's it, when everything's good and ready for
0: him. That's right. But they're used to talking to robots, and, and we'll get into that later. Flip the page, and we're in Gotham earlier today. And we see Dick and Babs doing their business. Dick scaling the side of a building. Babs on comms. And then we have some Barbara narration and she is doing this little soliloquy on human adaptability and she's talking about how like they've been living in these convergence conditions and people are just kind of getting used to it and she lumps dick into this group of people who are who just take life as it is?
1: I was not prepared to relate so hard to the plot <laughs> of this convergence uh, story. You know, talking about, you know, uh, normalcy in the face of absurdity. Yeah. I mean, this is a pandemic story.
0: What? Well, I mean, like I imagine, like if me a year ago was like, "Hey, guess what?" In July, you're not going to be going to Mm Comic-Con because of a global pandemic, the likes of which were the 1918 influenza pandemic. I would have been like, no way. Whatever. That's history book stuff. (laughs) (laughs) It would be the same as, guess what? July, you can't go to Comic-Con because Reston, the suburb of Washington, D.C., is underneath a bubble. We can't get (laughs) Under the dome. Stephen King was right. Um but she's talking about how like everybody has like their functional self that just like goes like okay i can ma- whatever comes to us we can make it work and that is what we see when we look at other people we go on instagram and we go like oh my goodness her mask is so cute wow she st- totally started an etsy business everybody's killing it in this pandemic except for me and so she feels like she sees Dick and she goes he is so carefree. He right. he is so in the now where me and and Bruce Wayne we are just consumed with worry.
1: Yeah, she's she's creating a narrative uh, that is driving a wedge between them and and he's not aware of that.
0: And we find out later that he is not as carefree as she thinks that he is.
1: Yeah, but before we can get to that, Lisa, we have to address who is Nightwing about to uh, bust into. And it is one of Bat's rogues, Mr. Freeze, right? And he's stealing these diamonds. Uh, But Mr. Freeze, once he encounters Nightwing, like, all the thrill of the heist drains out of him.
0: They didn't even set the alarm. Yeah,
1: they didn't even set the alarms. And what I love is, Mr. Freeze says to Dick, he goes, look, just just take these diamonds back. I've actually already stolen these twice already. And because of this bubble, because of what Brainiac is doing, it's not only highlighting uh, the apathy of this moment, like the, the absurdity of this moment, it's highlighting the entire cycle that Mr. Freeze has gone through over 80 years of Batman continuity, right? Like Batman is always there to bust Mr. Freeze. Mr. Freeze has no reason to steal anything, but he keeps doing it. But this bubble has become a breaking point.
0: And it's kind of a wake up moment for Nightwing too, because he's like, well, my function is to stop the bad guy. What am I supposed to do when the bad guy just hands over the diamonds and then he's like he walks outside expecting to get high fives right and left from the cops and the cops aren't even they don't even hardly care
1: yeah they they're, they used to have their guns drawn when mr freeze was around and now it's just like eh, you know we've dealt with him so many times where is he going to run off to anyway like what's the big deal
0: when dick explains this to barbara over the comms she relates so hard she is also in a what's even the point moment Mm. and dick is about to tell her like what this meant to him and and he couldn't he couldn't exactly express to her what he felt and he makes another attempt later to express like what this feeling he has is but what he ends up saying is like i need to go i like i just need to go and be by myself i'm gonna go radio silent And Barbara goes like, yeah, that's fine. And so I was like, okay, well that's kind of good differentiation. Yeah, I think
1: that's cool. Everyone needs their little alone time. You gotta like learn to live apart from each other if you're gonna learn to live with
0: each other. Uh, But then she asks, shall I cancel dinner? And at first I was like, I guess that's okay. She wants to give him his space. But then I remembered what it it was like when I was clinically depressed. Or even now, sometimes if my anxiety is kind of like dusted up, like I just loved, I like. You love to cancel plans. I love to cancel plans. Even now, (laughs) just like, I I love my friends and I love, I I mean, I used to love going out, Um, you know, but just like.
1: You get relief when a plan gets canceled sometimes. Yeah, I Because like, it means like some time has been granted back to you.
0: Yeah, and some expectations. Expectations are, t- are taken off of mm. me. So I, like at first where I thought this was like a little differentiation moment, I really do think that this is a depression moment. I think that mm, her saying, Sh- shall I cancel dinner, is kind of her handing the diamonds back and going like, why even go out for dinner? Mm. It
1: mm-hmm. you know, will. So let let's pick up on that in a second. But we got to talk about where Nightwing is going and who he is meeting.
0: Right. So over the comms, she, she goes to Charlie Cancer Dinner, and he says, "Only if you want to break my heart." And then Corey hears that and ame- immediately starts mocking him. And it- so
1: yeah, it's Star Starfire. Corey is there. And this scene really threw me off for a second because, again, I had flashbacks to Nightwing annual number two, where, you know, Dick slept with Barbara uh, right before he was getting engaged or right after he'd gotten engaged to Starfire, to Corey.
0: When I first read this page, I was like ready to just chuck this book (laughs) into the forest. I was like,
1: no! Get out of here, Starfire!
0: Ah, I had one full-on interpretation of this scene and- I didn't quite understand what it meant until I knew where this story was going. When
1: you're doing your read-through on your notes?
0: Yeah, and I was so relieved on the second time through. But um, it relates back to a moment when he is swinging into the Natural History Museum to stop Mr. Freeze, Uh and he's about to make this big entrance by busting in through this expensive skylight. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And Barbara is like not unless you have another skylight in your pocket. And he goes, you don't want to know what's in my pocket. And I'm like, ooh, innuendo's fun. (laughs) But it turns out it's an engagement ring. Apparently, he always has an engagement ring in his pocket. (laughs) We should all know what's in his pocket. But Babs didn't get it. I didn't get it. But Corey knew. Yeah. So the first time I read this page, and Dick is like, Barbara doesn't know that I called you. And
1: Yeah, she'd be pretty mad.
0: And, yeah, and Corey is like, you're just afraid to be happy. I thought that this was, like, an amorous liaison. Oh,
1: yeah, a dangerous liaison.
0: But what is actually happening is he is going, like, I don't know if I should even ask her to marry me. I don't know if I should propose. Like, in times like this, like...
1: What's the point?
0: And Corey says, like... I love you so much, and your optimism is what fuels me. You know, like, I like you're here in Gotham. My people are on tamarind, mm-hmm. off in space. I don't even know if my planet exists anymore. And here you are, trapped in a bubble with the love of your life, and you don't know if you should ask her to marry you. And that's just the perspective that he needs. I
1: think it's a real bummer for her to be trapped in this bubble of Gotham with him uh, when he is in romantic bliss with Barbara. I would like to know a little bit more of where they are in their relationship Uh, at this point in the timeline. Clearly
0: they're like very close. They're very close. We do have one panel.
1: Yeah, they're forehead touching. And
0: I don't do that even with my closest Mm. of friends. No,
1: I'd be pretty upset if I caught you forehead touching with an alien girl.
0: Eyebrows to hairline. That's just for you, sweetheart. (laughs) Thank
1: you. I I appreciate that. Same goes for me. (laughs) Um, But, you know, like I I do feel like as a a narrative choice, it's a bit of a pass, you know, like Starfire saying like, Go get your girl, go get Babs. She's the one for you. You know, I was just a stop in the night. And so it feels like pretty convenient. I would like to read more about their relationship. I have read very little of the Teen Titans stuff. Yeah, same. And when you go online and you uh, research the romantic woes of Dick Grayson, there's a lot of people rooting for Starfire and Nightwing. And I think. At some point, I'd like to cover them uh, uh, down down the podcast road.
0: Oh, I'm down.
1: But if Dick and Corey are as big a deal as the internet says that they are, then this scene is insufficient, yeah. right? If Corey and Babs are neck and neck in the competition towards Dick's heart, then I, I need more than two pages.
0: And I think it also plays into our cultural myth that there is such thing as like a one true love. Uh-huh. Like, Dick and Babs are so meant to be together that Corey, who is hypothetically the second in line can even see it. Where in actuality, like the person that you end up with is the person that you're rounding up to one.
1: Yeah, we've talked about this a lot in regards to our own relationship, you know? Cause it's, it's easy to imagine the many paths your life could have gone on. And I am so glad that my path has led to you. Um, but it's not like we were destined. Like, I don't believe that Brad and Lisa were destined to be together.
0: Yeah. Not that we're not extraordinarily lucky to be together. Oh, I think
1: this is the best case scenario. <laughs> yeah. Certainly.
0: But you you know what? You would have found your Corey. Well, I just think
1: like, you know, when you're when you're writing narratives, Destiny comes into play a lot and it's it's fun to write into Destiny and to OTPs. Right. It's fun to pursue an OTP.
0: But I think that Dick can still marry Barbara and break Corey's heart.
1: Sure but this scene is here for Gail Simone mm-hmm. and for the readers. It's Gail Simone relieving guilt uh, of that whole affair with Corey. You know, she needs to get beyond the Nightwing-Corey relationship so that she could be happy with Dick and Babs.
0: And maybe she's trying to spare herself a couple of emails. Yeah, maybe, maybe. <laughs> but Corey is a strong woman. She's beautiful. She's passionate. She's going to find someone else. She's going to find that person she, you know, rounds up to one or maybe a few people. I don't know how they do it on Tamarin, but I'm for it.
1: I definitely need to read some Starfire comics.
0: When Dick returns to the apartment, he is still unsettled and he tries to unload on Barbara his feelings about his encounter with Victor Freeze and she in the narration she says that she has to hide from him how hard she's relating like she sees them as two rats who are not adjusting to the cage very well and she reaches into her functional self and goes like okay i'm going to try to be comforting in this moment And she's like, you know, Victor, he's super smart. You know, maybe he was just (laughs) having like an off day. (laughs) And um, then this this line of the narration particularly stood out to me. Some just seem to fade, to disconnect entirely. I can't tell him that's what's happening to me. And I Mm. think that's one of the things that is so insidious Mm. about depression, Mm. whether it's clinical depression or circumstantial depression, but like the monster that it is, when it's in you, it tells you to pull away when that's in actuality, the last thing that you need. You know, it would it would be as if um, when we were thirsty, we turned away water. You know what I mean? And I think that it speaks to their... SEO. They're not 100% open with each other. And I think that she's afraid of if she opened her darkness up to Dick, maybe he wouldn't be able to be the kind of happy-go-lucky guy that she thinks that she is. He is. But, like, we know from his conversation with Corey, he's hiding from her.
1: Yeah, he's he's a bundle of nerves right now.
0: He, he's hiding from her that he is concerned. He's concerned about Victor Freeze. He's absurd, concerned what's happening with Gotham under this dome. And
1: he's concerned of if he should make this choice or not.
0: But his functional self is the guy who's making jokes, the guy who lives in the moment.
1: Pixie that, boots.
0: He's pixie boots. That's how the Bat family functioned. Dick does say something incredibly insightful and beautiful to me. And I think that it shows what tremendous empathy Dick actually has. I think more than Batman has, and perhaps more than Barbara has. But he does put himself in Victor Freeze's shoes. Hmm. Very cold shoes. Yeah,
1: I love this moment. His moon boots. Yeah.
0: Um, he says to Barbara, like, like I, I feel sorry for Freeze because he had a true love. And she died. Yeah. Get dressed, true love. We're going out. Yeah,
1: shout out to Paul Dini and Batman the Animated Series in the Heart of Ice episode, which radically altered Mr. Freeze into the rad character that he is in this comic book.
0: Yes, amen. I aspire to be Dick in this scene, and Mm. I love that he is kind of the soft, squishy side of Batman's non-fatal perspective. (laughs) And that would be the kind of superhero that I would want to be. I would want, (laughs) my superpower would be to empathize completely with the villain. And like my mission would be to make sure that everyone in Arkham Asylum feels whole and gets the help that they truly need.
1: I mean, that's easy to say for somebody like Victor Freeze, but how do you apply that to the Joker? How do you apply that to Donald Trump?
0: Ugh, ugh, ugh. Ugh.
1: That's Ugh. right, right. <laughs> I mean, I agree with you. Like, uh, you know, I champion e- empathy all the time, and, and you know, uh, it should be no secret to the listeners, but I'm pretty far on the left, and I do find myself going like, okay, if you truly cherish empathy, you have to apply that to the people you like l- the least on this planet.
0: I know. Uh, like, the thing is, like, uh, not that I am, uh, I'm strictly a armchair counselor like I just I've read a lot of self-help books that's why we got
1: Roberta M. Gilbert in our corner
0: exactly um like the one thing I cannot relate to is sociopathy sociopathy that's hard to say and hard to understand and I think that is something that um the Joker and perhaps our president have in common is that they are sociopaths. And and that is the complete lack of empathy, which would be my superhero's kryptonite. All I need is a name, help us Twitter. What would be my superhero name?
1: (laughs) Your arch nemesis, (laughs) okay, okay. But yes, let's aspire to be a little bit more like Dick relating to Mr. Freeze. I also really love how, before we get to the restaurant where the question is going to be popped, we learn about what Poison Ivy has been up to during Convergence under this dome. And she's been using her powers to feed the city.
0: And Bab's response to that is like, I see the help that Poison Ivy is being, and I feel Guilty for all of the times that I just threw her in jail and laughed at her. And to me, like, this speaks to one of the things that came up with Poison Ivy a lot when we were talking about her relationship with Harley Quinn. Poison Ivy is not, she is not um, the Joker. Right. She is a person with ethics. Yeah,
1: she has values.
0: And her priorities are just different, than ours, and I think that that's what makes her such a diabolical villain, Um, and also, but makes her in this moment a hero, because we're, like, humanity is on her list of priorities, not anywhere near the top, but we're on there.
1: I mean, usually she wants to get rid of us because we're such a problem towards the plant life, and I was surprised to see her depicted in this fashion but coming off of our conversations with her and Harley Quinn, I I I felt like pride. Like I mean, I had no uh, authorship in this moment, but like I feel like we've adopted uh, Poison <laughs> Ivy into yes! our, our family. And yay! Thank you for helping us.
0: She's one of ours.
1: She's one of ours. But
0: imagine what that's doing. Like when you're already in a dome, like. Think about like, and you're in an urban environment. We need that CO2.
1: Yeah, so we yeah, need those plants. That, that's 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 for, that's She's for sure. She's
0: probably finally running this city the way that she wants.
1: You would think she'd be able to get. Underneath the dome, somehow, like she could access the green a little bit. I don't oh, know. Perhaps. Maybe that's too much of an extension of her powers at this point in 2015. But
0: all of her stuff is in Gotham.
1: But yeah, all her stuff is in Gotham. That's right. Returning to Babs and Dick at the restaurant, we get another proposal from Dick Grayson.
0: So much better.
1: So much better than Nightwing Annual Volume Two, Page One.
0: I'm not sure how many passes he's had at this. Yeah, yeah.
1: No, no one's interrupting uh, him this time, including himself. Uh, <laughs> and, and I think let's. Just just read the proposal. Yes. Um, this is Dick Grayson talking to Barbara Gordon. Barbara, we've been connected since the day we met. I loved you when I didn't know what love was. You have been the friend I can never doubt and the partner I didn't know was possible. Whatever happens in this world, I know we can bear it if we have each other. Barbara Gordon, will you marry me? Her response, oh, my God. Richard, I I
0: can't. (gasps) Dun, dun, dun.
1: And then we get a little ellipses. Dot, dot, dot. Dick goes, I don't understand.
0: And the reason he doesn't understand is that she has not told him that the monologue she is having in her head is- One way. "I'm, I'm not going to get through this. I'm fading away. I can't bear it anymore. Like, she has, like- Her self talk has been garbage, and and he, I think that he, I mean, I I'm not going to say he wouldn't propose if he knew what she was going through because she, um, because he loves her, Mm -hmm. and I think that he would marry her even if he knew what she was going through because he wants to be there for her, but he wouldn't have worded it that way. I don't think. And then at that moment, we see some of the restaurant patrons run to the window and the dome is coming down. And Bab sees that and she goes, "Phew!" she goes <laughs> like, I just turned down the man that I love and the literally the skies open up. It's a pretty big answer. I'm taking this as a sign. Yeah. So Brad, do you think this is a good sign or a bad sign? Like, does she, th- is she taking it? As a sign that she should marry him or she shouldn't.
1: I mean, I don't think it's a sign related to her at all because Hawk Man and Hawk Woman have shown up. And uh I think that's the inevitable answer to is this a sign? If it was a good sign, it would it would be he- heaven opening up and bliss and, and relief. But this is not a moment of relief. It's a moment of torment, it's a moment of despair, it's a moment of attack.
0: I think. That she sees the skies opening up, and she's that sees that as a see, I shouldn't marry Dick Grayson. I think that perhaps she was feeling a little trapped in the relationship, and she was feeling a little obligated perhaps to Dick because of all they've been through, and to ha- to say and like. He's been trying to propose to her since they were suddenly both 16 years old. Right. And so, like, I think that her turning him down in that moment was a tremendous relief. And the skies opening up at that moment was an affirmation that she was making the right decision. Turns out, yeah, Hawkman and Hawkwoman, they come down from the skies. And it's not so hot to be without Dick Grayson, I guess. Um, but I think in that moment she was saying, uh, she felt like the the heavens were reflecting her situation back to her.
1: But like all good action movies and action comics, it's in the fight where two learn to know the value of each other in their lives. And Hawkman and Hawkwoman are going to show Dick and Babs what they mean for each other through combat. Uh, Because Hawkman and Hawkwoman, they show up, they go right to the restaurant. I guess because of their absorbiscons, they're able to key into Gotham's mainframe and see that Oracle is secretly running everything. And they're thrilled because Barbara Gordon is in a wheelchair and she can't possibly be any kind of threat to them and they make or they try to make a deal with you guys just give us gotham let us deal with it let us run your city and we won't obliterate all of you
0: that's right and uh (laughs) at first barbara and dick are like no and then and then hawkman and hawkwoman are like we'll give you an hour to think about it and they leave and um dick is like okay we got to hit the arsenal we're we got to We got to get bet already. And Babs is like, I can't fight. I'm in a wheelchair. And he's like, you know, you do you, boo. I'm going to the arsenal. And he's super heartbroken. And she's like, I hate to disappoint him, especially since I literally just turned down his proposal. But turns out, I've been fighting the absorbiscons for the last 10 minutes. And who knows when she was doing it? Was it in between Barbara and... Will you marry me? And she's like, I think the
1: moment they showed up, she started getting to work with Oracle and she's probably doing that through her glasses or something, you know, if she blinks her eyes in a certain way, her computers respond, I'm not sure.
0: Computers are magic.
1: No, they're science, Lisa. Um, So (laughs) the second issue, it starts off with Oracle and Nightwing separated. She's doing her thing, he's doing his thing, battling off Hawkman and Hawkwoman. I think it's interesting that we get a narrative switch Here, you know, for all of this comic, the captions have belonged to Barbara Gordon. But on the third page, suddenly they belong to Dick Grayson. And it was a little bit of a relief to get a little bit of his point of view into our brains.
0: He does show off his tumbling skills because he is able to bounce right back.
1: Circus boy. He's a circus boy.
0: He's like, yeah, my heart is crushed and I'm super mad right now. But I do have a bat wing and, and a, a
1: rocket wing.
0: That's right. So I'm gonna do a little kamikaze switcheroo on these hawk people. Meanwhile, Oracle is up in her clock tower with a hooded figure, and she has her own little plan. She has hacked in to the drones because she can't ha- hack into the absorbiscons because of computer reasons. And she's hooked up the audio to Canary's voice and Black- It's
1: Black Canary. She's the hooded figure.
0: Oh yeah, that's right. And like,
1: how awesome was it when suddenly, you know, one of the Birds of Prey, Black Canary is in this comic. I was so excited to see her.
0: Yes. And so she lets it rip. She blows the helmets off of these Thanagarians. Oracle swoops in on a helicopter. She's ripped out of the sky by one of the Thanagarians then rips out her escrima sticks and they start scrapping and they are Oracle and Nightwing are victorious and they win the right to continue to run Gotham
1: I do think there is a really cool moment in Oracle's fight with Hawkwoman where we get her captions and Barbara says this to herself she says I used to be Batgirl when I couldn't be Batgirl any longer I didn't know who I was for a bit just For a bit. And now, now I fight dragons. And the fun thing about fighting dragons, they always, always underestimate me. And so this goes back to not only Oracle Year One in last week's episode, but all the way back to the first episode, Batgirl Year One, where we see Barbara Gordon pre-putting on the costume, facing... One dude after another, from her father to the police academy, no one respects her when she walks in the door, and she constantly owns them. And I love that about Barbara Gordon.
0: And it goes back to Gail Simone saying, like, everything she is, no matter what timeline, leads to Oracle. Yeah. Everything, like, everything that prepared her to be Batgirl prepares her to then, in turn, Be oracle, I think it also highlights that nodal moment of I was victimized, I was injured, I ended up in a chair, I lost my functional self, I was being Batgirl so that I could operate in the world and I couldn't be that anymore. And then I had this moment of floundering Mm. and now look at me now, Mm. I'm at this higher level of functioning, like nothing Like I am, nothing can get me down. I am so strong that the worst thing imaginable can happen to me and I can do better, be better.
1: So of course, Hawkman and Hawkwoman never stood a chance against Barbara Gordon, right? At the same time, they don't kill Hawkman and Hawkwoman. They kind of invite them to hang out in their Gotham.
0: Yeah, that's right. They're like, we literally just saw Poison Ivy. She's doing great. You've got to be great. Mr. Freeze, he's not so hot, but we like him too. Let's just all live in this bubbleless Gotham together, neighbors.
1: They're soldiers of empathy, Lisa.
0: Curate your culture, Thanagarians. Now, before they can ride off into the sunset, Babs has to clear up some stuff about the proposal. And she she turns to Dick and she's like, you know what? I was scared. And you know how much Dick Grayson <laughs> loves to tell Barbara Gordon her mind. And he's like, I know. You live for perfection. And the world is just not this perfect place, the place that you need it to be. And I think that that is kind of what... like." he sees himself as not perfect. Like, I understand why you turned me down. You're looking for something Mm, that is flawless. And she's like, you're right, but now I have this new revelation and I understand it's never going to be perfect. It's always going to be making the best of what we're given. And I was wondering if you wouldn't mind perhaps kissing me and then proposing one more time. Yeah. And he's like, "Really?" And he's like, "I, you know, I don't look my best." <laughs> like, I literally was like at a nice restaurant and I you know, I was wearing a whole different type of suit.
1: And then he got pummeled (laughs) and he's black and blue. But what Dick doesn't realize is that black and blue are the colors of Nightwing and he looks damn good bruised.
0: Yes, he does. He's he's a very lovely, lovely man. And and of course, Barbara is like, yeah, I'll make the sacrifice. I'll make the sacrifice of being proposed to by you looking a little scruffy.
1: Boom, next panel, they're married. Whoa! Barbara Gordon's wearing a beautiful white wedding gown, and on the train of the gown is like this digital circuitry pattern. I love that.
0: That has to be functional in some sort of way. It's probably some kind of crazy nanotechnology that as soon as they hit the honeymoon suite, the, the... dress just disintegrates into a bunch of little tiny, <laughs> tiny little nano parts.
1: Okay, all right. And then
0: comes I mean, some kind of crazy Boussier.
1: Oh, I like it, I like it's it. I wish, I wish that panel had been illustrated. Uh, uh,
0: unfortunately, we get no peek-a-poos into the wedding night, and he is carrying her across the threshold of their home, and this comic is over.
1: Yeah, it's done. But, you know, it, it is really nice to... Give them a proper ending together. Yeah. And I would love to imagine this being, uh, if not the last Oracle Nightwing story, the last Dick Grayson, Barbara Gordon story, uh, the beginning of a new life together. I would love to read a series where the status quo is they're a married couple.
0: Oh, I love that.
1: The Graysons.
0: They, oh, and they have a little bat family of their own. Yeah, heck yeah. A That's, bunch of little uh, circus children yeah, yeah, tumbling around. Yeah,
1: after four episodes with these two, like I really do feel like they work well together, and I want to see them as a couple. I don't want to do any more of this will they, won't they, which has kind of defined their relationship through the comics. I, I want to see them happy together.
0: My only complaint about this comic is like after Particularly after the buildup of three previous episodes, yeah. and then talking about this story, like I would have loved this two-issue story to be a six-issue yeah arc.
1: Agreed. Agreed. And
0: like to me, it breaks my heart to see their wedding be a panel.
1: Yeah, and you know, I think if you had the space to tell this story uh, in five or six issues, or 12 issues. Um,
0: Rogue and Gambit were on their honeymoon for like 17 issues. Right, right, right.
1: You could have a moment like you do between Corey and Dick, and it would be like an entire issue, right? Yeah. To resolve that relationship. And you could have a more space to also explain Barbara's turnabout at the end where she finally does say, you know, like you really do understand me.
0: Yeah, I'd like more insight yeah. into that moment. Because, because she was th-
1: in such a dark place. She,
0: yeah, and I think that um, just the opportunity to kick another woman's butt is not enough. Mm. to For her to go from, the skies have opened up and I feel like this is a reflection of I cannot be shackled down to Dick Grayson uh-huh. to, uh, you know what, now that, like, it just feels like, oh, now that Gotham is opened up, like, there's no reason why we can't get married. If, you know, like, I just think that there's more there there that I just wanted to explore.
1: Yeah, all, all that said, uh, Lisa, like, I do feel like this book left me feeling warm and fuzzy Mm, in a way that none of the previous titles we've covered have done. And I mean, I feel like we stuck the landing on a closing episode discussing Dick and Babs. Yes. Or Babs and Dick.
0: Like they have been will they won't they for literally decades. And I love them together. Yeah. They could use a little work on their SEO.
1: Sure, sure, sure. But Lisa, we are now at that portion where we must ask ourselves, through Dick and Babs, through Roberta M. Gilbert, what have we learned? What are we pulling away uh, from these four episodes?
0: Though it's hard for me to say goodbye to Dick Grayson and Barbara Gordon, I am, like, ready to be done with Dr. Gilbert. And... (laughs) And while I feel like I've learned a lot from the Bowen family systems theory, last week I aired some of my grievances about her non-inclusive gender language, her lack of acknowledgement of non-heterosexual relationships, and like just having issues with her clarity— when when right. trying to get her ideas across you had
1: to really work hard to make sense of the text i mean you spent more time deciphering uh, extraordinary relationships than you have on any previous self help book
0: yes and i think that like with this part 4 i have finally reached my last straw because mm. she says blatantly that the Bowen's family systems theory does not advocate for divorce. Mm. And I feel very wary of gleaning relationship advice f- from someone who measures their success by keeping relationships together. Yeah,
1: like at all costs the relationship must remain. S- sometimes that just cannot be.
0: Yeah, like I'm I've alluded to this, but I'm skeptical about the idea that each person in a relationship is 50% responsible mm. for the functioning of mm. the relationship. Like what if one partner locks the other person in a closet mm-hmm. and just feeds them pop tarts mm. like underneath the door mm. is I mean is that's not 50-50. No. Like saying that every relationship can make it if you just function hard enough is like saying like every dissolved relationship is a failure and that's just, that's not the case. If I were to give any relationship advice, like as a not, like just just from my armchair, I would say cut off more often. Break up relationships when the stakes are low. Right. Like if you're dating and you just had a great night with someone, but then you go home And you send them a text, and then you sweat bullets until they text you back.
1: Yeah, forget that person.
0: Yeah, you go, like, after a couple of days they haven't texted you back, you go like, hey, I'm looking for a relationship with someone who texts me back, and then cut that person off.
1: Yeah, go back to our episode on Selena Kyle and Bruce Wayne and use uh, He's Just Not That Into You as your guide.
0: (laughs) That's right, that's right, who knew?
1: But Lisa, that doesn't get you off the hook for answering my question. Like, what are you pulling away from Dick and Babs and Roberta M. Gilbert to apply to your relationship
0: with me? I think that... These two issues in particular is a great reminder that openness is so important. Like if you are having dark thoughts or um, uh, despair in your heart, like not sharing that with your partner is not sparing your partner because like – when Dick proposed to her and she said that she couldn't, yeah. it was out of the blue mm-hmm. and unfair to him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes we get it in our heads that like my person should be able to tell when I'm upset and or my person should know how I feel about this. Your partner does not know your mind if you do not expressly tell them your mind.
1: So that was my big takeaway as well. And I I knew that was my takeaway the moment we got to the second issue and we got the Dick Grayson captions, right? Because it was such a relief to me as a reader. What a relief that would be to Barbara Gordon, or if Barbara Gordon shared her captions with Dick Grayson, what a relief it would be to Dick. And like that is like a whoa moment in these two issues, and uh, it's a good reminder, like okay, share your feelings, let your partner into your mind.
0: And also, if you are a person who feels like they're at the end of their rope, if. you wish that you would fade away or, or dissolve. Remember that sometimes those feelings are self replicating. And, um, even though like you're never a burden on the person that you love or the people that love you, the people that love you want you to be happy not just in your functional self, but deep down in that basic self.
1: And you should seek help.
0: Yes, you should seek help. Tell your general practitioner.
1: Yeah, if you can't talk to a loved one, if you you can't trust a loved one, seek help. Yeah. Talk to a doctor.
0: Yeah, and it it doesn't have to be like a, a psychiatrist right off the bat or a therapist right off the bat. It can be a minute clinic, it can be an urgent care, it can be your general practitioner. Your mental health is part of your body, it's part of your medical health and your medical health professional will be prepared to give you a referral, point you in the right direction
1: and that's going to do it for our our tour with dick and babs across gotham and bloodhaven uh i gotta say one last time thank you dr dina at is it yet broken on twitter for suggesting this couple i had a wonderful time with them
0: i'm so head over heels with that yeah
1: i mean, I am going back and reading gail simone's birds of prey run it's amazing i recommend it to everybody uh i've Loved continuing the Batman family comics from the Bronze Age. Such a riot. So crazy. So wonderful. Uh, So, yes. Thank you, Dr. Dina. Uh, Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So for next week, I mean, we are really, really, really close to CBCC episode 50.
0: I can taste it.
1: And we did not want to start our next long form couple conversation revolving around Silver Surfer and Don Greenwood with episode 49. That is Lisa's OTP. Oh, yeah. So we're going to delay that pleasure for a little longer by doing a one-off episode.
0: That means we can highlight an OGN and an Eisner-nominated OGN to boot. Yeah. We're going to cover Mariko Tamaki and Rosemary Valero O'Connell's Laura Dean Keeps Breaking Up With Me from first, second books. I've already read this book. I was like, Brad, we have to do this on the comic. It is. It hits all of my inner teen girl buttons, and I really liked it, and I want Brad to read it.
1: I, I'm excited. I, you know, I love Mariko Tamaki, uh, recently did that Harley Quinn uh, young adult graphic so novel. So
0: cute. Also, Eisner nominated yeah. Against Herself. Yeah, very showing great. Showing up twice.
1: Very cool comic. So yes, I'm excited about episode 49, and I'm super excited for episode CBCC 50 because On top of covering Don Greenwood and the silver surfer, Norrin Rad, we're gonna be unveiling some new art from at (laughs) Karen X-Men fan.
0: This has literally been my iPhone screen like for weeks and I haven't been able to I haven't been able to show anybody. Yeah, so we're
1: just weeks away from sharing it. So I'm very excited about that as well. Uh, but Lisa, Yeah. It's that time we got to get out of here. We got to leave Gotham behind.
0: You're not going to do something cute like reference like one of the Rogue's gallery?
1: Uh, we we're not going to uh 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 we're not going to uh, steal some diamonds? I can't think of anything.
0: Oh, you, you're having a bit of a Victor mind freeze? Oh, yes, I'm having a
1: Victor mind freeze. <laughs> when
0: thinking of a segue. Lisa, we got to end this episode. Oh, yeah. New outro, using all five love languages. Words of affirmation, quality time, physical touch, gifts, and acts of service. Brad, where can our listeners send the words of affirmation to you? You can find me on
1: all social medias at mouthdork. If you have words of affirmation for our logo, you can send them to Aaron Prescott at a cool hand fluke on Twitter. And if you have some words of affirmation for Dr. Dina for picking this couple, send them to at is it broken yet? Lisa, where can our listeners send their words of affirmation to you?
0: I am always accepting words of affirmation at sidewalk siren on Instagram and Twitter. If you'd like to spend more quality time with us, you can subscribe to us on Podbean, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, and iTunes. If
1: you would like to reach out and touch us electronically, you can email the podcast cbccpodcast at gmail.com or follow us on Instagram and Twitter at cbccpodcast.
0: You can give us the gift of five stars on iTunes. And if you'd like to do an active service, why not write a review of the show while you're there? It warms our hearts and helps the pod.
1: So until next time, folks, keep your love tank full.
0: And your psychic rapport open. Doopy doopy bom,
1: bom oh. <laughs>